What's good, y'all? It's your boy Herb. And it's your girl Mo. And welcome to our soon to be world renowned podcast. Young, black, and figuring it out. What up, though? What it do? Whatever, retailer. <laughs> How you feeling? Wonderful. Yeah, you loving this winter time? Mm. I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, but, you, <laughs> but I'm feeling wonderful. But you wonderful anyway. <laughs> yeah. I feel y'all. It's okay, y'all. We just trying to make it. It's all type of stuff happening this season. Windstorms and snow, and it's early. But it's okay. We're going to make it. The Lord will provide, as they say. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, we are uh, super excited to be here. We got an amazing topic. One that we know folks are always looking forward to. Yes. You know, being black in white, white spaces. spaces. And this is about how to navigate racism and diversity in the mental health, especially the therapy space, mm-hmm. which you know is a space that you're passionate about. Yes, very much yes. so. Uh, typically, we start off with the, what did you figure out this week? But we ain't got time for that this ain't week. Ain't nobody got time for that. Why well, we ain't got time for that? Because we have a wonderful, special, amazing guest. All that? Yes, Dr. Kenya Malcolm. Clap it up for Dr. Kenya. <laughs> 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 let's, let's keep expectations, man. <laughs> and uh, please call me Kenya. <laughs> Appreciate that. Will do Kenya. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for being on the show. Again, we are so excited to have you knowing that we're going to get all the knowledge and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I know you said keep the expectations low, low. but we know Lower it's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. The gems and the jewels. We can't drop them. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the, and the, I guess the context around this particular series is a lot of the times folks, especially as they ascend mm-hmm. in professional spaces, end up having to navigate spaces that are predominantly white, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we know that comes with a host of things that go way back to structural issues up into just interpersonal issues. And mm-hmm. so we like to talk about all these different spaces where as black folks, you kind of got to navigate these spaces that are predominantly white. So we wanted to pick you all's brain as the experts and the gurus today. Um, how does that happen, especially in the space of being a black therapist? Mm-hmm. You know, or being black mental health providers in that way. So we're just going to go through some questions, have some dialogue, kick it, and I think folks really like to learn from, you know, from you two. So can we start? Yeah. Feeling I'm good? Ready. Feeling good? So can you talk? Maybe just tell us about yourself and, and the work that you do. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I work here locally in Rochester. I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been at, um, is it okay to say where we oh, were? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. You should okay. share all your business out you later. You can get all the businesses, <laughs> addresses. It'd be everything up in here. All right. Uh, I work at um, the University of Rochester Medical yeah. Center. Yeah. Um, yeah. So about right now, about half of my time is at an outpatient mental health clinic, child and adolescent. Mm-hmm. And then about the other part of my time is devoted to primary care. So we have behavioral mm-hmm. health clinicians where children get their regular mm-hmm. doctor's visits. Mm-hmm. And most of my work right now is focused on infants and early childhood and their families yeah. in the mental health space. Yeah. So helping people really across like teachers, pediatricians, other mm-hmm. clinicians mm-hmm. Um, learn how to and get support while they're providing care to the mm-hmm. littlest kids who need help. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that uh, that for that second part you mentioned that's in primary care? Is that mm-hmm. like the behavioral health is like integrated into the primary care? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we have offices, and that's actually where I know Mo from. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so if uh, you take your child to their doctor's visit mm-hmm. and you have concerns about 
let's say they're not speaking on time Mm -hmm. or uh, your potty training, like if it's a little kid or they keep getting kicked out of school Mm -hmm. because their learning isn't on target Mm -hmm. or there's been a major loss in the family, like Mm -hmm. a divorce or Mm -hmm. a death Uh or you're in one of the neighborhoods that has a lot of neighborhood violence in Rochester, Uh you might um, bring that up in your PCP visit. And then we have behavioral health people who are on site and Mm -hmm. have some flexibility in their time so that they can meet with you while you're there. And then you can also have follow-up time with them on their schedule. Uh Oh my goodness. Can I just ask if I, that is good. Can I just ask you too? I know. Like, like, (laughs) all script already. No, but I, um, no, that's just so good. And I guess Mm -hmm. thinking about like, some of the traumas that you know families can experience, especially mm-hmm. black and brown families, right. the way like systemic poverty and you know violence has like kind of like sprung up in mm-hmm. our neighborhoods. Like, mm-hmm. how like important is that having it to where it's not just like the physical health, right, but also like the mental health and like and and how I guess related are those two things? Like people's physical health connected back to like the mental health, mm-hmm. you know? Like I mean, because I work on that floor and I took Kenny's office. <laughs> Thank you, by the yes, way. Yes, <laughs> most stole my office. <laughs> <I did. laughs> surely did um but i have loved the way that doctors and us always work together or providers of any sort because sometimes you'll have patients come in who are like feeling all these stomach aches and avoiding school and all these things and they're like we think it might be anxiety and then they're like can can i get a behavioral health clinician to come in and we start working together treating this one child from multiple angles right and sometimes they call for us but there are a lot of times we call for them as well because i've had kids get sick in my office had kids have all kinds of things going on and like medication issues sometimes Mm -hmm. and the ability to just call up the doctor real quick or hit them up and they come through and we work together as a Mm -hmm. team has been phenomenal. Mm. Did I answer your question? Because now I'm like, what'd you ask? Oh, uh, yeah, that's okay. good. Yeah. I'm good at forgetting questions. <laughs> no, that's good how politicians do it. They, like, take the question and answer what they want to answer. But no, did, did, did nah, but you, you answered the question, though. It was like, how does that connect back? Like, how, do, oh, okay. how does that, that relationship between, like, mm-hmm. the physical mm-hmm. or, like, who would see as, like, a physical space for, like, we mm-hmm. go to the doctor to, like, the mental and behavioral health? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you wanted to add to, like, how you see that connection. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with everything that she said. And I think that the other piece... Um, because sometimes kids come in and people are calling it just behavior or it's just this or it's Mm -hmm. just that. And then we get in there and get an opportunity to talk about actually we think it's anxiety or Mm -hmm. we think it's learning Mm -hmm. because as medicine becomes more and more specialized, each person gets more and more of, you know, we think about silos, you know, so there's a group of people who work on your heart and there's a group of people that work on your Mm -hmm. lungs and there's a group of people that work on your feet, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you're not walking well and you're not breathing well, Mm -hmm. your behavior is probably not going to be the best either. So it's all really tied together. Or if you got a kid who's real fidgety and it turns out they've got eczema, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's important to think about the whole, the whole person. Cause I know I don't act the same if I'm real tired or if I'm hungry or if it's too hot. Right. Mm -hmm. So making sure that, that the team really thinks about that whole person and what's going on in the family and all of that stuff. Man, mm-hmm. that's so good. Got me fired <laughs> up in here. Yeah, okay, yeah, love that. Good. All right, well, thank y'all for indulging me from going all over the place. That's okay. So, uh, <laughs> okay. So, um, about this idea of, and I think this term gets thrown around, but maybe I can even break this down because this is one of my areas of expertise in this, the idea of cultural competence. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, even taking that idea of competence, you hear like humility and sensitivity, all those things, but like how do people engage? Because a lot of the times I think what we might see, especially in areas where, again, think about systemic poverty and racism and whatnot, 
that you might see providers taking care of folks or clinicians taking care of folks who don't look like them. And specifically, you might have white folks taking care of folks who are black and brown who might not understand all of the cultural things that go to somebody's like mental health mm-hmm. conditions or even physical conditions in that, right? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the ways that you um, that you've seen or experiences that you had where you're like helping to help people um, understand like cultural humility or cultural competence and how to apply that in like the care they're providing? Um, I find that there are a lot of one-on-one conversations that I typically will have when, um, you know, sometimes in frustration, like colleagues can share things about like, this is really bothering me and da da da. And sometimes you can like insert those moments of, well, based off of like historically or systematically, like these are some of the things that they're dealing with, mm-hmm. or even sometimes the, ju- like jumping the gun on a diagnosis mm-hmm. and you're like, Mm, pretty sure this is trauma Mm -hmm. and it's like coming out this way and Mm -hmm. trying to like give those kind of moments to like pause or break it down a little slower Mm -hmm. happens a lot I will say the push is to make things more um not universal you know in like our areas that this is something that's common like we're doing regular professional developments and getting our CEUs on cultural competency especially since we service majority black and brown Mm -hmm. but it's you know I think it's a day-to-day fight I want to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think medicine, whether it's physical medicine or you know any of the any of the towers, you know the ivory towers that right. that we live in or that service or whatever. I think there's an assumption, not just an assumption, but a purposeful and systematic uh, giving of power. Mm. You know, so. The further up you go, it's almost like uh, um, the things you know are more important than what other people know. Mm. And really what you need to do is make sure that the people you're working with, that you're just giving them the info, you know, just tell them what to do and they should just be doing it, you know. Mm. So I think part of what's come out of of Mm. the move towards being more culturally competent, more Mm. culturally humble Mm -hmm. is a recognition that their way isn't the only way. And that is really across the wide range of diversity, right? Like, even if you just think about the use of um, interpreter services, Uh for example, that when we have someone who needs an interpreter, it's really about who prefers another language to get their best care. Uh It's not about making sure that we can understand people because they don't speak English, right? right? Like, their ability to talk to us and communicate with us and our ability to communicate with them effectively should be in a language that is comfortable for them Uh because they're receiving care. We need to make sure they're giving informed consent. Uh That's the same thing the interpretation needs of folks who come from different cultural backgrounds. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's lots of stuff on the Internet, you know, like – patients being referred to psychiatric consultation because they're doing this to their hair, you know, because the doctor doesn't understand that that's one way they're helping to relieve some overdue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like patting our heads. Yeah. Yes. When it's itchy. Or some of the ways that we might use English, you know, feels different or like a symptom of something. If you don't understand what, where they're coming from or people who within their families, and I'm from the South, my family grew up in Louisiana. You know, we talk about, you know, a a breeze as my grandma coming through to say Mm -hmm. hello. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're in some context, that's going to get you a referral. (laughs) So really recognizing that people uh, come with their whole person and that their whole person 
not only should be allowed, but should be expected to have a space mm-hmm. in their medical care. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, lo- I, I 100% love that. And I love how you frame, like, the idea of um, the language piece. It's not that, like, it's because they're deficient. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that something wrong with them to speak a different language? Is that we don't have... We need to have the resources in place right. to be able to get them the best care possible. Right. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's good. And the example for folks who might be listening to, I, so I saw that case study where there was a um, a woman who was in a, she was, it might have been, she was an inpatient in a hospital and she had, yeah, been patting her head and it's like, hey, listen, y'all, the weed, I got to get this together. Right. Mm-hmm. It's itchy. And, yeah, <laughs> and the folks, again, that cultural conscience or humility didn't mm-hmm. understand that, hey, this person's head is itching, mm-hmm. right? They're, oh, man, they're, like, hitting themselves. They're harming themselves and actually got put to their inpatient, like, behavioral health unit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, just like the, if that's somebody who would have been there who knew, mm-hmm. right. who understand, could have been like, mm-hmm. oh, no, that's not right. Well, they, they should be. If they right. weren't doing it, I think something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. yeah it's absolutely. funny, actually, how often hair comes up, and especially for black care, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking at the research on, um, black women in particular who will avoid certain physical activities or like swimming as an right. option right. because of their hair. Yes. Right. right. So um, I, it's been interesting to see people recognize the importance of that. Mm-hmm. But but that only goes so far it, because we have been trained sort of on purpose. I'll say that again with mm-hmm. intention mm-hmm. to not talk about it. Yeah. Because right. if we don't talk about it, then they can go on having the power that they have and we can go on right. being uncared for in the way that we've always been uncared for. Right. Yeah. So even to bring up something that feels um, race related mm-hmm. yeah. feels um, racist or yeah. racialized, racialized right. on yeah. purpose. Right. So right. they can't even ask the question without feeling like they're going to be um, accused of something. Right. And we can't be asked the question without feeling like we're being accused of something. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the system that keeps things going. Mm-hmm. I heard you guys talking um, before about, you know, how we get stuck because of comfort. Yes. Right. And that definitely applies to the relationship that people mm-hmm. have with their health provider. Yeah. Right. I That's just won't fair. talk about it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. language is so important, like y'all were saying earlier. And like there's cases of people saying, like answering in a way that concerned the, the medical provider. Because mm-hmm. they say, yeah, fam. And they're like, ooh, thinks I'm part of their family. No, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. you know, things yeah. like that. When it's like, it's so simple yeah. to yeah. us because that's just so normal to say. Yeah. But mm-hmm. someone who has no context and isn't really doing the work to understand the context, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. harming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. And that's why, and this question came up, we went to a conference not too long ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it was about um, black women's Man. mental health mm-hmm. as a result of the unjust killings of black men, and mm-hmm. not just um, police shooting, even though no, that's a heavy one, right. that's a heavy mm-hmm. burden on the community, but other, th- other ways in general, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was thinking about is like, man, we need to have, like, these conversations are great, and mm-hmm. I thought about our podcast that we're talking about today, and I thought, you know, that burden on black women is tough. But then I thought this, and this is where like the flip side of like helping to, we need more providers of color into our spaces is that hearing the things that folks might hear, I know you are like licensed professionals, right? To do this, Mm -hmm. but absorbing that from our community, as much as there's definitely like a separation between like, this is the work and you know, if you can set it down and go home, it's better for your own, like personal emotions mm-hmm. but like does that ever get hard though you know what i mean when it's like hey this like this is our community going through these things like mm-hmm. is that 
heavy to carry or have you been able to find a way to navigate that to where it doesn't impact you as much or is it an and or you know mm-hmm. that's a great question <laughs> <laughs> i think it depends honestly there are times when you know almost like you've become numb to it because you've heard it so much or you've been here do- so long or you've been doing the work so long mm-hmm. that's like yes like i i know it happens so i'm here with you but then there's times when it it touches so close to home mm-hmm. and you feel too like almost too connected now to this person because mm-hmm. like we share trauma. Mm-hmm. I am in this with you. I am fighting for you now. And sometimes I find myself wanting to like champion for them because no one did it for me, you mm-hmm. know? And that is, Ooh, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm good at holding in my emotions, but Lord knows you, you say something and I'm naturally triggered now. Like I'm just mm-hmm. crying. I'm just Sad, oh gosh, what? And, and no, no, I'm like, and I wanted to, and also to be clear for like the, the audience, it's like, mm-hmm. it's di- different when we think about the space of like clinical care, but specifically like mental health for like people thinking of like therapists, right? Mm-hmm. People like in any type of like mm-hmm. psych space or therapist space, like you're getting like a lot. Yeah. Like you're getting. Especially the, if they're comfortable. Yo, you're getting the depths of the depths. They I'm tell like, you that's everything. That's difficult, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, just curious, like, that has to be hard. Yeah, right? especially when then they start seeing you more like a family member, too. So mm. now they're really, like, they're telling you the nitty-gritty type of energy. And it's like, now you're auntie, so help me. Mm-hmm. And then you feel this, like, heavy responsibility mm-hmm. to help them. Yeah, so it's not easy every day. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna say. Yeah, I think it def- definitely varies. I also think, you know, one of the interesting pieces of it is, you know, we're kind of talking about being black in predominantly white spaces. And to get where we are now, we've probably navigated predominantly white spaces before, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. this isn't our first predominantly white right, right. space. Mm-hmm. So some of the walls and the calluses, you know, and all mm-hmm. those things are things that we've built up over time. It's mm-hmm. not like we've been plunked down. right? Uh, so I think that that's something, you know, when we think about young people who are being bused into predominantly white mm-hmm. school districts um, and the lack of support we have for that, um, it's, traumatizing, but also educational, you know, and I hate to have that, um, like, well, you're so good at it because you were mistreated, but Mm -hmm. there is a little bit of element to that. Right. Mm -hmm. And this, this having to figure out when to fight versus when to not fight, Mm -hmm. when to assimilate, when to keep your head down, Mm -hmm. when to just get that degree. You know, people will say that all the time. Like, don't worry about, you know, the foolishness, just get that degree and then Mm -hmm. you can you know, mm-hmm. do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that those things come to mind when you ask that question, as well as, uh, you know, as Mo was talking this, this idea too. So here's me as the therapist, right? And then here's the patients who look more, more of them look like me, mm-hmm. right? And then here's the people I work with as mm-hmm. a team, more, most of them look different, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then when they've got the foolishness, Right. And everybody's got foolishness, so right. I don't mean to say, right, just right. to say, everybody's got <laughs> but specific types of right. foolishness. specific kinds of foolishness, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So we've got this foolishness that's happening, and then the people they're having the foolishness about look like me, mm-hmm. right? right? So, like, I've had to navigate uh, diminishing sometimes my, some of my identities, right, yeah. in order to fit and to mm-hmm. succeed and yeah, get all of that stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, like I remember Patty, who I don't think that she would um, mind me telling this story, um, saying something about a young black girl who came in and her hair was a mess. And Patty, who's a, a white nurse, said something about this black girl's hair was a mess. And I looked at her. Patty and I are friends, right, mm-hmm. part of the same team. And I go, oh. 
And she goes, oh. I was like, <laughs> you know, you know, like, and she recounted something. She was telling that story to me, like, later on when she she said something like, I remember one time you were saying something to me. I was saying something about this black girl's hair, and you you said something to me. I was like, oh, okay, we don't do that. Mm. And I was like, and I love that you picked it up without us having to, mm-hmm. you know, have a whole thing about, but why? And, oh, and you yeah, know, all of that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. That we do have to hold space for their foolishness sometimes, mm. legitimately, because they're learning, right? Yeah. Right. And they learn something new, and I'm talking about white people specifically, <laughs> <Right>. learn something, <laughs> or somebody from a different cultural background. Right. They learn something new, and it opens their eyes in a way that is unbelievable Mm -hmm. and so then they have to check in with everybody they know to Mm -hmm. make sure that that person's not making it up Mm -hmm. you know what i mean which means all the other people also have to hold space for the foolishness you know so that's part of that sort of navigation piece that feels like that makes patients who are black and brown feel more comfortable when they walk in and there's a black or brown person because they feel like they don't have to navigate that in the same way right exactly but you don't know. What I always say is, like, not all skin folk are kin folk, right? Mm. You don't know if yeah. that's a day that that person's fully assimilated with right. the, <laughs> with right. the white majority. Yeah, or yeah, if they're yeah. full of the same foolishness because right. they've had to grow up navigating the right. same space everybody else had to navigate. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to fully compromise to this. <laughs> right. I'm, not gonna, I'm not even fighting it no more. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, yeah, do. All y'all must be, you know yeah, what I'm I mean? Clarence Thomas it out. <laughs> right? Yeah, I got okay, you. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Because I, I, I had a black family <laughs> who was very suspicious of of medical of mm. the medical care yeah. which makes total sense with mm-hmm. our history right 100%. and then i had a black conditioner who's like oh well they just sound paranoid and i was like let me give you some readings upon the medical <laughs> apartheid right you right. know my land. Right. you know oh my right. land you know mm-hmm. yeah. and you're like oh now i got a whole space for your foolishness yeah. and i didn't have i didn't have the spoons for that this week mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you oh know? so i think that navigation piece is long it's not just yes. it's not just like each Thing, which yeah. it also is. It's mm-hmm. also the, the system, yeah. the development, everything, the patients, the entire context, right? Of all yes, of that. all of that. And we're never going to have um, the number of. I mean, we're only 14 percent of the entire population, right? Right. right. So this idea that we're going to solve those problems, mm-hmm. the problem we didn't create for ourselves, Amen. is completely ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to hold space. For the foolishness, absolutely. Which means we also have to be able to have spaces where we can let it go. Right? Yeah, yeah, I understand. And mm-hmm. the, the word that's coming up in my mind that you all have to navigate, and that folks, so folks who have to navigate predominantly white spaces in general, but especially in this space where it's like you're doing, you're holding so much for other people. And a lot of it be is our people. It's the word resiliency. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be so resilient, and that's so difficult. Like when I think about that idea. Because uh, sometimes the idea of resiliency for me is like weaponized to be like, oh, you just gotta be absolutely, yep. you gotta yep. right through it. It's like it's fine if you don't eat this week. You're resilient. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> exactly so like that, right. I, I, that's the word that came to mind because it's like it is uh, that thing is what almost you have to be, but it's like it's negative. It's not a good thing, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I, and that's why I use the word. It's like I don't use it in a way of like you're so resilient. It's like dang, we have to be right, and we shouldn't have to be in that space, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I have to be here to, you said, hold the food. And I love mm-hmm. that. It's like, you said at the time, the foolishness right here. <laughs> On a regular. But then I also have to have enough in the tank, enough yes. capacity and space to go and be here and be present for yeah. somebody mm-hmm. who's not just sharing their story. And this is what I try to share, like, 
when you're in a collectivist community culture, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that story you're sharing isn't an individual story. It's also my story now. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing me and you mm -hmm. and vice versa. Like, that's a lot of weight. And so I appreciate what you are doing. Yeah. In there. <laughs> that's a lot. Which goes to, like, my next thought in there is, what is in place and what's, like, the plan, like, to care for the people who are given the care? a great question like what do you are like what are you doing for yourselves and for other black therapists out there like those folks because that's we have to have a good amount of those who listen to our podcast mm -hmm. like what <laughs> do you do for yourself or what should folks be looking to do for themselves as the people who are caring for the people i don't know if i have an answer i'm here like think just think about this week i'm like mm -hmm. i struggled <laughs> and it and it like can you put it into context with me where i'm like that is probably what drained me so much because it's like it feels like you're fighting daily but you don't even notice you're fighting daily because of all the foolishness right mm -hmm. like i feel like i'm combating so part of me is like i was so drained i didn't know how to self-care mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. the most i could pull off was doing my dishes washing my hair just so i felt better and my space felt better mm -hmm. like that was the most i accomplished to get myself like oriented back mm -hmm. you know what i mean seems like a lot to me well i think <laughs> it was yeah. a push the whole thing <laughs> it was a push i was like lord i don't want to do this but i did it it was rough i don't know can you got some ideas like how do we help ourselves and each other yeah i mean i think and i'm i'm a i'm a rebel <laughs> an oppositional peer sometimes you know because i think one of the things and i was just i just posted on facebook about this other day um i don't even remember what the meme was or whatever but i my comment was if it had been up to me we'd still be banned from the counter because i can't handle people pulling my hair hey. like I, you hey, know what i mean so right. like sometimes when people are like how are we gonna fix it i'm mm -hmm. like why do i have to fix it mm -hmm. you know what i mean like mm -hmm. um because I think part of the privilege we don't have is to just be mediocre mm. and to just look out for ourselves mm -hmm. and to just, you know, it's just us by ourselves. You know what I mean? Right. We have to be, we have to be for the people, you know, and then when we mess up, it looks bad on everybody, mm. you know, but when we do good, it's an exception, you know, like right. all of this stuff happens because mm -hmm. of being marginalized. Mm -hmm. That is exhausting. Yeah. So I think first we have to be willing to recognize that we 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 are allowed to look out for what is in our best interests mm -hmm. right because i know a lot of nurses nurses especially who stay in completely toxic environments for because they want to help the patients mm -hmm. right. because they don't want to leave the patients without. And right. I, that's, it's noble. I don't know where the nobility is going to get anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, you're thinking about uh, all the Respect. teachers who are staying right. in classrooms because right. there's nobody else. Like, right. and my thing is when we make it work, it tells the system it's working. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right. So if we, if we hold it up and I, you know, and like I said, that, that doesn't make me popular all the time because mm -hmm. I'm telling people fairly often I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. um, because if you can't do it, it can't be done. You know what I mean? Right. Like mm -hmm. I can do what I can do and then I'm going to go home. Right. Mm -hmm. Strong boundaries. You she know? has amazing boundaries. <laughs> I can't do it. Right. I love it. Yes. Um, if I say I'm going to do it, I'll get it done. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I'm not going to automatically, the metaphor I like to use for my clinicians, especially in primary care, is this piece of paper that because we're behavioral health in a primary care space, they want to come over and hand us things all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, here's a patient I don't know what to do with. You take it. You know, I don't know what, I don't know how to handle trauma. You take it. And that our job isn't to automatically just take the paper. Mm -hmm. It's to look at the paper together 
And I think that that's part of how healing and part of mm. um, connection happens is that we don't see ourselves as sort of the savior of a situation, mm-hmm. but that we can slow down and bring the collective together to to um, collaboratively problem solve. Because mm-hmm. I can't hold it all. Mm-hmm. I won't hold it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. um, sometimes it's going to... Sometimes it's going to fall and we're going to have to self-care, but also heal when it falls. Mm -hmm. Um, But the system isn't made for us. Mm -hmm. um, And we have to be aware of that and Mm -hmm. um, just always, always check ourselves, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because sometimes, again, some weeks we're going to be out on the front line. We're Mm going to be marching because we got to march, right? Again. You know, I'm going to send water bottles. I'm not good at the marching part, but like there's different ways to be helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a donator helper. You know what I mean? I'm not really a get hit with the rubber bullets helper. We need those helpers too. True, true. (laughs) But you are an example. When I think about the Hunger Games, I'm the person who's (laughs) dropping the baskets for people in the woods. (laughs) But I'm definitely at the Capitol. Is what I, I'm saying. I like that. <laughs> you know, inadvertently, you are a, a model for you gotta it. You got to know. You got to know. <laughs> it's like that silent rebellion is really a good testament for people who are watching. It's like, you know what? Yes, that's the type of strategy I also need because sometimes people will just keep giving you and giving you and giving you. And I learned in the last place that I worked where it was toxic as ever, if you question it, they stop. Mm-hmm. Because... You can't just say yes. I yeah. will not be your yes woman. And, but you I'm also a have human. to be able to manage your guilt, right? Yeah. Because when you say no, Ooh. they're going to go to the next person mm-hmm. who's going to say yes, mm-hmm. right? They're going to find who the yes people yes. are. Yeah. And so they're going to stop asking you, but you're going to see your teammates suffering. Suffering. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so you're going to have to figure out how you're going to manage that, mm-hmm. how you're going to help support them. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you keep saying yes to mm-hmm. them. I wonder if that's really what we want to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But you know what, though? That's that. So that is so good. Let me just say that. Because really what it is, it's like, for me. no, it's like that is permission mm-hmm. to be like, because really, truthfully, I'm going way back. It's like. The fight to, like, when we stopped fighting to be our own, because here's the best answer, and I say this all the time, like, the true story of every single black person in America said, you know, we're going to get together, and let's restart what we started to see happening in, like, the 20s to 1920s, which is we'll have our own hospitals and schools mm-hmm. and yeah. buses mm-hmm. and plays, and, yeah. and we all just did that, and like, okay, cool. Then we can come to the table as equals to say, we have all the resources. Mm-hmm. What we asking for is not what we can ask. Mm-hmm. Say, like, this is what we need, mm-hmm. but if you want to do it, we don't need you. That's mm-hmm. right. But... The fight to integrate set us up to where we always had to fight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the fight to integrate isn't, like, a here and a stop. You're continually in the mm-hmm. system that you're fighting to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you get into a space and you always got to fight because you're fighting to be able to be in the space. Mm-hmm. And it's something you all were saying. is like, but if I drop into the space of somebody who's in the majority, mm-hmm. who's in the dominant culture, I can just be there. Mm-hmm. I ain't got to be fighting for nothing. Mm-mm. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm doing my job and I'm fighting to be mm-hmm. able to be like. My presence is the fight. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some weeks the fight is bigger. Yeah. Right? yeah. Sometimes the fight is I'm going to get a document change so that it's more right. inclusive mm-hmm. or I'm going to start a program or, you know, whatever the thing is. Yeah. But it doesn't always have to be that. It That's can't weird. always be that. And it's funny that you mentioned the integration thing because I was talking or the, um, yeah, the integration thing. Because somebody, I think I was reading it on maybe a 
black geek Facebook mm-hmm. or something. And it was talking about how now that we have more diverse and inclusive uh, sitcom kind of TV shows, yeah. we've lost those black TV shows mm-hmm. that were back about black family. Mm-hmm. Now we have like black characters and, and other, you know, um, BIPOC kind of characters that are within friend groups and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But things like Family Matters mm-hmm. and... Um, Fresh Prince. Fresh or. Prince mm-hmm. and The Cosby Show yes. and A Different World and all that stuff. It was about black people. Mm-hmm. So you could see all these different kinds of black people yeah. relating to each other. Because oh, mm-hmm. it was in response to someone, there was this black nerd, mm-hmm. and somebody said, oh, it looks like you must have gotten adopted by a good white family. And it was like, because there aren't as many of those examples Mm -hmm. that black people come in all different kinds of black people and we all interact with each Mm other. And it's not like if you're a nerdy black person, you're just around all the white people. Mm -hmm. There are nerdy black people in the black spaces too. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's really interesting to think about how the word diversity and what diversity means and what inclusion means has changed over time. Mm -hmm. You know, and as we've been fighting for these certain kinds of things, it also means that we've probably lost some things too. other things That's a good point. Yeah, no, that's... that's Man, that hurts my heart. (laughs) So so going back to like the idea of being like a therapist, right? If you're going to Mm -hmm. like navigate in that space, are there, well, first let me just ask this. I think I might know the answer, but the answer might still be, <laughs> were there in like the training curriculum and mm-hmm. like the education and school and like, were there like black ex- or like culturally representative examples, materials, experiences Man. that were in that as you were learning that prepared you to be how, how to navigate those things? Or are you primarily bringing like what you've learned in school and then combining it with your lived experience mm. to be able to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. That question definitely triggered me. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> uh, honestly, because in my first graduate program, I was one of three black people, and um, I was the only black woman. And we had to take a cultural competence class, and I remember the groans from all of my white counterparts just mad because we had to talk about this. And then we did like certain exercises to show what privilege looked like. Mm. And I mean, the groans, I mean, people were complaining and then looked at me and said, I'm sorry, I'm white. Yeah. And me I'm like, t- me too. Do you expect me, you know, like you expect me to feel sorry for you and you're mad at this one class that's like as honest as ever. Mm-hmm. We went around telling examples of like how we're treated in professional spaces because we're black. And the two black men that I was in school with, they were like, yeah, everybody thought I was like the gym teacher or the janitor. Mm-hmm. That's all. And I'm like, Yeah, but no, it was this lack of care or understanding. And I remember all the materials we'd get. It was teaching white people to work with black people or people of color. Mm. And I asked many times. I don't know why I felt the need. Like, I had to speak up because I was just frustrated. I was like, where's the material for me to work with white people? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know anything about white people. I'm from Brooklyn. I was born and red with nothing but black and brown people. Mm -hmm. The most white people I had were teachers. Mm -hmm. And I had some experiences. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they look at me like... That's a good question, Monique. But they had nothing Mm -hmm. for us. So I feel like a lot of the material we learned was very much... It was all the other stuff, Mo. (laughs) (laughs) Besides that class. Like, we learned about, like, how to do this work. But I felt like a lot of the samples and the the visuals and the theories were all very white-based. White-centric. Right? Very Mm -hmm. Mm white-centric. And um, I think the latter of what you asked is really why I do bring in my own experience and all the work, you know, of working with children and mm. life and bringing it and bringing it mm. together as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems like 
because I, I supervise a lot of trainees mm-hmm. and I am in the psychology space and there are other kinds of disciplines. It does seem like there's been some changes. And I guess I've been out of grad school for about 15 years. Um, and at that time, we did have a, a cultural class, I think at least one. Mm-hmm. I also took a couple of classes in like the sociology, you know, like different disciplines are doing different things. Anthropology, you know, you can mm-hmm. go to different uh, departments and get different awareness of things. It seemed at least at that time, the majority, and I would probably say most of the continuing education now is more, more about, um, you know, here's the data on Asian Americans or here's uh, the data on a particular, like a particular thing, right, uh, for Asian Americans or for black people or for, you know, whatever. Um, and I think that can be a, gr- a great place to start. Again, it, it's, it starts with this awareness piece. You know, maybe not everybody experiences depression in the same way. Maybe right. the symptoms look a little bit different depending mm-hmm. on whether or not you experience this way or that way or society treats you this way or your identity or whatever. But that's only one thing. So even if somebody takes a lot of classes that talk about collectivism versus um, individualistic mm-hmm. societies or talk about how um, for adolescents it's irritability versus sadness mm-hmm. or that um, – different parenting styles are more common in Asian cultures versus um, white cultures. Mm -hmm. It's only the place to start that somebody's story is different from what you know. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you still have to be willing to hear that person's experience and recognize it within the context of the human experience, Mm -hmm. right? So I think for myself coming into graduate school, having a different experience than a lot of the, the my peers could only help mm-hmm. <laughs> because when you're hearing about a story and it doesn't sound like yours, you have to be able to say, okay, is that because my story was messed up? <laughs> is their story messed up? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that we, I think we, people who come into training with a different experience are in the unique place of not accepting things as they're handed to you. Mm -hmm. You know, like if everything I heard in graduate school jived with everything I'd ever experienced, how would I have handled the one person who tells me something different the first time I meet them for a a session? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's anything that we can learn only through books. I think right. Booksmart can only get you so far. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly don't think that anything we're learning from books helps people feel prepared for a human being in the seat right. across from right. you. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Um, and I think that that's you know, like we were talking earlier, you know, if a thought, feeling, or behavior comes up, and we've already in our head biased that one particular thing as meaning this or this. Mm-hmm. And we can't put what they're telling us in the context of the story. Mm-hmm. Then we're doing a disservice. Regard- they could look exactly like me. Right. And if all I understand is what, you know, 
Earl Baum 1995 said, <laughs> said mm-hmm. right, I'm going to I'm going to miss it. Right. You know, and right. that happens a lot for new clinicians mm-hmm. because they're trying to fit things into the boxes that mm-hmm. that school told them that it was going to fit in. Mm-hmm. And people don't fit into the boxes. People are way more dynamic than that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they're yeah. not going to come in and tell you the list of things for you to fix the for you to mm-hmm. do the box. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, they're yeah. going to come in and they're going to be like, this is my life. Blech. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're mm-hmm. going to have to sort through that you're going to have to sit with them you're going to have to match that on with the understanding you have about whether it's depression anxiety whatever the thing is right and how that fits or doesn't fit yeah how that doesn't fit in a way they thought it fit because you know families come in and they have an idea about what's wrong with Mm -hmm. their kids Mm -hmm. from they're possessed by a demon to they were exposed to heroin when they were in utero right. to their daddy was just the same way when he yep. was three. Like right. they got, they got all the stories right. <laughs> for right. you. Right? right. And if you can't hold space for them to tell you the story, you've lost them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. if, if you can't hear them, if they can't feel heard and seen, yeah. not, no other thing you do is going to make any difference. They're mm-hmm. going to walk out and go, that wasn't, they didn't, they mm-hmm. weren't listening to me. That's yeah. the one, you know, patients say that all the time about, uh, medical care. Um, I was complaining for years and nobody was listening to mm-hmm. me. Mm. People might be hearing what you're saying, but nobody listening. Not at all. Not connecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I know we're getting close. I'm going to give, I got two more questions though. Add up in there. Okay. <laughs> hey, Someone will just have to edit out the extra stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you know what though? This hit me. This is like a, this is completely random and off the cuff, but I thought about this as we were talking. I'm like, yo. Okay, let me give it a scenario and tell me how you feel like this would actually go. You're so interested. Ooh, I never I know. I never know. No, I think, I'm okay. Excellent. Okay, so if we were in, in, we're talking about being black and white spaces, right? Mm-hmm. But what if this was reversed? So let's say that we built up primary care with integrated clinical behavioral health, mm-hmm. CIB, clinically integrated behavioral health, something like that. Sounds right to me. Whatever it is. <laughs> uh, okay. It's made up, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay, well, whatever it might be. So <laughs> that's the example. That's what we're going to call it for this story, right? Uh-huh. We built that up, and the people within that context, so people who like ran the facility, mm-hmm. so all the folks who are like in the ad, the admins, the VPs of like clinical care and all the good things, and the clinicians, all of the folks, were all black. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And came through like similar cultures and what we might have experienced, right? We're in that situation. How would, what do you think will be different in the way care is delivered? Interesting. Right? Like, let's say, and the client base is the same. Mm-hmm. I know you all see many different types of clients, but like, what do you think would actually be different in the way care is delivered? And the reason why I ask that is this I sat in on a conference the other day. His name is Dr. Nichols. I forgot his last name, but he talked about this idea of how. When you get away from like European cultures and get more into things that are like black centric. So like and now because of chattel slavery, like all over the place. But if you mm-hmm. get to like Central Africa, and it's just mm-hmm. all cultures are different. One of the things that matters the most is like relationship mm-hmm. versus like transaction. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he did like some research around that. It was going he was going in depth. It was actually really cool. Mm-hmm. And I thought like, how would those things change the way we deliver care? Like would that really what would be different, you know? 
So I'm curious about your answer. Really? Yes. <laughs> but I do also want to put it in a context, right? Yeah. Because we've got these levels of, of what we're talking about. Yeah. And so if we think about the individual and then think about the individual's family and right. then think about like schools, doctors, whatever. Yeah. Because we also have the country. Right. And, you know, like oh, it's bigger, yeah, it's bigger, right? 100%. And a lot of, uh, you know, and I think there's 10, it might be 12 elements of white supremacy, right? Yeah. That like the transactional nature of of uh, interactions and that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of the things that are happening in medicine or in schools or in the justice system or whatever, they are happening in response to the bigger thing, 100%, right? 100%. So like um, docs, lots of docs would really like to spend more time with their patients, mm -hmm. but they have a 15 minute slot. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So if in the situation, in the utopian <laughs> doctor's right. office that you're talking right. about, right. It would also have to be separated out from, it would have to be like plucked from all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. From capitalism, that's all the right. way Right, like it would have to be all, the all this right. other right. stuff. Right, right, mm -hmm. right, um, right, right. And the docs would have had to have been trained outside of that system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we would have had to come from some, you know what I mean? Like it would have to be Wakanda. Oh. You're getting at what I was getting at, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Right, like yes, and I come back to it, but keep going because you're getting at where my question is going. Right, like yes. like because you know when you think about this race, the racism, the racism problem, right? Yeah. We think about ground; it's in the groundwater. Yes, right. you know if that's the metaphor we want to use, or we could use the metaphor of it is the water in which our tea bags are steeped. Right, mm -hmm. right? right. We're all experiencing it. Right. Whether your theory is that. Uh, BIPOC people can't be racist because whatever, which is the older kind of way to think about it, or like if it's more of the Ibram mm -hmm. Zandi, you know mm -hmm. who I'm talking about, <laughs> who talks about like we can all be racist because the definition is we are behaving in ways that maintain the racist system, mm -hmm. right? If our behavior keeps the disparity, it's a racist behavior, mm -hmm. and we're all guilty of that, mm -hmm. and that. That just has to be true mm -hmm. because we're in a system that's intentionally set up mm -hmm. to maintain a power structure mm -hmm. in which we are at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. But what's your answer? I mean, she killed it. So now I'm like, <laughs> uh, yes, in this utopia where there's no capitalism. And there's <laughs> like, right. And so, she like, said. Like, so, like, <laughs> some of this stuff would work itself out because we've removed it from all that stuff. Right, without right. those pressures. Right. right. External Be pressures. Yeah. Right. right. And probably the needs would be lower because we've met all those other needs. Mm -hmm. Like, we're right. not going to behavioral health ourselves out of poverty. No. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. 100%. I like yes. this Wakanda life. It sounded nice. I mean, right. honestly, the most I could think of was the level of joy and the level of time spent with patients yeah. because mm. we are so relational and I don't think we stick to time well. I'm not saying CP, but CP. Mm. We don't do time yeah. as clear and cut. So I was like, oh, yeah, you probably spent like way too long with patients yeah. and like really building this rapport and, you know, families mm. and like, but I also think the level of like random, you know, cultural connectedness. So the way people speak and you hear them in the hallways and like maybe mm. the music and yeah. just the way the energy would feel, yeah. you know, it'd be a vibe on a, on a regular, on a yeah. good day maybe. <laughs> and, there, and there are clinics that try and do that, mm. um, you know, or like I think Sankofa is mm. a clinic that Shout it's out all. Shout Sankofa. <laughs> Again, not a sponsor. You know, we're all the, <laughs> sorry, not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> 
you know, where all the clinicians do mm-hmm. share at least similar background or similar mm-hmm. goals or yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, they still get, you know, you still got to got to do your notes mm-hmm. and yeah. you still, you still got to see the next patient. Mm-hmm. You still yeah. got, you know, so all those things are still true. Um, but the vibe would be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of that holding foolishness would feel different. Yes. Yeah. Right. And we would feel like when we're holding the foolishness, we're holding it to the benefit of all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think part of why that can be so hard is sometimes we feel like we're holding it because we can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We just got to hold it until yeah. we can walk out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. No, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. No. No. Oh, you didn't know about yeah. that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. walk away. Whew. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. <laughs> she know. She yeah. know. No, I think, and I think my answer when I was thinking about this was like, it's twofold. And I, um, I just thought about this question in this context now, but I think about kind of how that might exist is one, I think, the experience within the context in which we must exist would be better, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. the the experience for us on a regular basis. Because now you say you holding foolishness, but it's like okay, it's a little bit different than when if when it's like this is foolishness that I'm holding f- for the benefit Exa- of, of all of us, mm-hmm. right? And so right. that's very different. Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is just regular, okay. My man's Jay acting crazy because Jay just acting crazy. Right. Jay ain't acting crazy because like, was that because I'm black that he said right. that? Exactly. Double, <laughs> is that double consciousness you got to exist? Exactly. It's like, it's like yes. because I speak, is I, exactly. can I speak with an accent that he right. like that? You just know. Like, also, there's less of Jay. the like, if I say something, ugh, now I'm that angry black woman again. Yes. Right. You know, like, why do I always have to be the one to say something right. about it? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Like that part. Di- yeah, the experience of it is different. Which changes the way you feel. And, and, and in some cases, like the research shows, and this blew my mind. It came up with a PubMed journal, I think it was. That was um, that communities that have black physicians, just black physicians in the community, have better health outcomes for black people. That makes sense. Just being in the community, mm. not that they're necessarily practicing, not that just the community mm. being there, like that blew my mind because it's like, yeah. You got people in here who are there, but one, there's so many things that go into that. Yeah, I was about right. to say, I'm, I'm going to have to see what they controlled for, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. where are the black physicians living? Yeah. Because right. if it's Pittsburgh, you know what I mean? a different. Mm-hmm. But, so when, mm-hmm. you, when you think about, like, okay, all of those things, like how that impacts health and wellness, like, that'd be, that'd be mm-hmm. great. But mm-hmm. also, I thought about what you were saying, which is, even if we read it all the structures, because things are existing mm-hmm. within this greater context mm-hmm. of right outside our capitalism, mm-hmm. racism, sexism, for, for all the things that it still would have those things mm-hmm. attached to it, mm-hmm. which is why I think there was such a vehement response when we did try to have our own things right and things got bombed or taken away or intentionally destroyed mm-hmm. because it started to go against the way mm-hmm. that the structure set up in America traditionally run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is to keep us down, right? Right. But Absolutely. And so. to maintain a, a belief of entitlement mm-hmm. that we aren't afforded. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. who told them that they could have that? Right. When I don't have it. Right. Right. Mm. Okay. Not equal, not better. Uh-uh. I appreciate that going with my scenario right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. right, and we on. came up with Wakanda. Yeah. Wakanda forever. <laughs> we did. I'm with it. Can we just stay in this green room forever? <laughs> walk, walk, what's happening? Okay. All right. So, uh, all right, last question, then we can, like, wrap up here. And this is going back to, like, the black mental health professionals. You know, we like to leave, like, a gym for folks. To, oh, like, Lord. Them for folks to think about. No pressure, no pressure. No pressure. Like I said, you don't always got to be the one to save them. You're just wise. That's all. Um, 
So what advice do you all have for like expiring or just starting out like black mental health professionals or therapists in particular that are like navigating the field, right? As they're coming into it, what are some things that if you like look back mm-hmm. and say, hey, this is a part of the lesson that I would teach? Mm-hmm. It may not apply perfectly to your experience, but here are some general things that I would give for someone to think about. What would that be? You know, the not it was not a mistake because, you know, you learn from your mistakes. But I should have connected more with people who were doing this work and who look like me, especially when I was starting out. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. to, to know what's coming, to have a deeper understanding, mm-hmm. to like get some wisdom and like some support when you're going through things. Because I worked in spaces where it was just me as the only mental health provider and people above me had no... Um, education or understanding on that field, but were the ones controlling what I did. Mm-hmm. And it was a very difficult way to work mm-hmm. when like your voice did not matter. It didn't matter your opinions, mm-hmm. how you f- saw it. It was like you are a tool to be used. Mm-hmm. And so had I connected with people who did this work or had understanding, not only would it have grown me in a different way, but I would have been able to advocate better for mm-hmm. my my students, my patients, my peoples, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the word that comes to mind um, for me is mentorship. And I think um, we need each other. We need connection. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, in some systems, there's, you know, there's there's already supervision or there's mm-hmm. like maybe a faculty mentor or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I took this course that was talking about how there are different kinds of mentors and we should find those people and um, have intentional conversations about mm-hmm. how you want to have a regular check-in with that person mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like what your goals are around your professional mm-hmm. development as opposed to, to these informal ways that we do it or we don't do it at all mm-hmm. or we assume that any one person can be all the things that we need them mm-hmm. to be and then we don't think about where those gaps are, where those things are that we aren't getting. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that definitely um, comes to mind and you know finding ways to have those folks um, I think it can also be hard when before when I first moved here, I was talking with a, a member of the community. Her name's uh, Takia Graham. She does some mentorship and some things around Rochester. But um, she's a black professor mm-hmm. at MCC, mm-hmm. and I was applying there, and um, she was in a different department, and they asked her to talk to me to talk me into getting the job. Right. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. all we all know, understand the scenario mm-hmm. as it was, <laughs> as it was happening. Right. Yeah. Um, and like one of the things that she told me was being a black person, uh, especially like a faculty and as the further up you go, the hungrier the people you're working with are going to be for your time. Mm-hmm. Right. So like if you're the only black teacher that all of the black kids have, they're going to gravitate towards you. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. if you're the only mm-hmm. therapist in a space and I found this to be true, then they're going to want to give you all the black people, right? right. All the black people are going to say, I would prefer a black therapist. You're going to get them all, right? right? And they're going to be hungry for this connection that they're missing. And I think that that was probably one of the time, one of those early times where I was like, I've got to, I've got to protect myself too, right? you know? So I think that those conversations around what it's like to navigate the space mm-hmm. is really important mm-hmm. and to have, black only spaces, which I think is a a thing that we just don't, you know, we don't want to ask for it. We think it's weird. People get, people get 
real, mm-hmm. you know, it's iffy not, when we ask about it. over there plotting. Exactly. Um, we don't have white-only spaces. Right. I beg to differ. Right. All the spaces are white. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. In fact, if I hadn't walked in here, this yeah. you know. So, I, so all of those That's kinds funny. of things are real yeah. important. And again, getting comfortable with our own discomfort to ask for what we need. Yeah. Um, or And the guilt that comes along with that. Yeah. And that because we have an uncomfortable feeling doesn't mean that we're not making the right choices yeah. for our own health. Amen. Listen, that was mm-hmm. something good. I appreciate y'all dropping that. It sounds like connection. Both of you had a, a similar thread too, like connection to those folks who may mm-hmm. have been able to do it and like learning those things early. And I love it. You said it earlier too in what you just said now about that idea of like managing our own guilt. Mm-hmm. That's such a real thing, right? Right, because if we are saying you needed to connect to someone, it means there needs to be somebody up here to connect to, right. which means we can't always say no. Right. Yeah. We have to manage yeah. how many times we say yes. Yeah, I love that. That's good. Listen, y'all, this has been fire. Usually I try to, like, sneak in the end, but listen, just, I'm going to let people know. We about to wrap up, and that was so good. I'm going to let y'all know. This is probably, like, more. We're going to have to come back with another one of this, because this is good. Yeah, this is, like, I don't be talking about, like, being black and white spaces as therapist, but this is, like, a mini therapy session for me. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, it's good. She's dope, right? I told Send you. Send me the bill, y'all. It's okay. <laughs> but, nah, this is fine. So, listen, yeah. people might be listening thinking, like, what in the world is he talking about? Listen, we might be right. We might be wrong. But at the end of the day, we just young, young black, black, and, and figuring, figuring it out. out.